Now, uh, forgive me, I, I've got to be honest, forgive me for skipping church last week. I'm, I'm going to come clean, I'm confessing, I don't know if I should go down to the altar and do this, but uh, I skipped church last week because uh, my son and my daughter-in-law had my first grandkid, uh, and, um, and uh, you know, I, I don't have my wallet with me, so, you know, I'll just do this. Uh, there we go, there we go. So, uh, that's my little, my little granddaughter. And her name is Olivia Maisel Falwell. They named her after my mom, which is really cool. I didn't know that until last Sunday when I skipped church. And they came out of the hospital and I was there in the parking lot. I wasn't going to wait till they got to the house. I was in the parking lot when they came out because we couldn't go in because of COVID and those kinds of things. But so we got to meet her last Sunday. And uh, what a great, oh, I didn't know they had that picture. That's cool. In fact, let's just look at pictures all day. What do you say? Are we good? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so, um, so thank you for letting me skip church. But you know, I, I've made this very clear since I've been your pastor now for the last 13 years. Uh, man, I am passionate about this church and about preaching the gospel and about reaching this town and reaching the world for Jesus Christ. But I believe our God-given responsibility and our God-given duty is that we are to have our relationship with Christ as number one and our family's number two and everything else is three. And so when Jonathan told me they were leaving the hospital and I had met my granddaughter yet, uh, I'll be honest with you, um, I didn't think twice about where I should be. And so I was with my family last Sunday, but now I'm with my church family today. And so we're going to dig into God's Word, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So let's start with this idea, this thought, this premise today. Um, Our world today, as we all know, it's 2020. So what that means, this world's crazy, am I right? I mean, we've talked about it a lot this year, and it seems like it just keeps getting crazier and keeps getting uh, out of control. But, But also, while all the craziness is going on, I don't want you to lose sight of something else that is going on in our world today. And something else that is going on in our world today, in our country today, and listen to me, in our city today, is an obvious attack against the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is no question, there is no doubt that there is a movement today, and I'm not saying it's a political movement, I'm not saying it's a group, I'm just saying Satan himself, the Bible tells us that Satan's plan, his duty, his mission is to come after us as followers of Christ and to destroy us and to try to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. And I believe that we are seeing that in a very real way today when we see things like taking place out in California where um, cities and communities and judges now are passing laws and restrictions saying that if a church meets, they're going to show up and they're going to arrest the pastor for doing so. And we saw what took place just over the weekend when John MacArthur, who just, after, listen, let's be honest, after a season of reasonableness like we did here, where John MacArthur preached online to his church and he did those kinds of things, uh, but then uh, after a season when, when it just kept on going and going and going, John MacArthur, uh, the pastor of, of Grace uh, Church there, uh, finally just said, uh, the church of Jesus Christ needs to meet. And, and so if, if casinos can open and if restaurants can open and if bars can open, my friends, the church of Jesus Christ better be open. And so... 
So John MacArthur and others, not just John, but certainly he was the most high profile. They, they opened their churches. They began to meet. Uh, as we know, uh, the cities came after them. The courts came after them. A federal judge actually ruled in favor of John MacArthur and, and said that he's allowed to meet. But then in the middle of the night, 2 o'clock this morning, uh, the California Court of Appeals overturned that ruling and said, no, they cannot meet. And if they do, they'll be in contempt of court and they'll go to jail. And I don't have any doubt in my mind that after that ruling came down in the middle of night, this night, this morning, uh, I have no doubt that the people at that great church are going to join together together and they're going to walk into that church today and they're going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ together. And... Um, and it might be that the police show up and try to stop it. And it might be that the police show up and arrest John MacArthur and, and others who show up. And here's what I say to that, and which, by the way, is what we're going to talk about today. We have a duty and a responsibility to be good citizens, you bet. But we have a greater responsibility to honor the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ no matter what. Now, we have to do things wisely. That's why every other row here is blocked off. We have to do things wisely. As I was out on Main Street this morning, the lobby today, as people were walking in wearing masks, I was wearing a mask. Uh, all, the, all those things. We've got we've to gotta do those things. That's, that's good citizenry. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Good citizenship. But listen to me. When the community, when the city, when the government tells us that casinos can be open and restaurants can be open and strip clubs can be open but the church of jesus christ can't be open that's when we stand up and all of us stand up and say no you don't we're going to be there and we're going to preach god's word now i say all of that to say this today first thessalonians chapter 4 deals with exactly what we're facing in our country today the world is coming after us the world wants to stop the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The world wants to stop the work of the church. Now, they're fine with the church as long as we just meet together and have their potluck dinners and, and just kind of fellowship together and, and, and have, you know, do crafts and all. They're fine with that. But the minute that we stand up for truth, the minute that we talk about Jesus is the only way, as John 14, verse 6 says, that Jesus is the only way. He's the, the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through Him. The minute we start talking about the gospel, that's when the world comes after us. And today, I want us to dig into this passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, because in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, what we see is a group of Christians that were going through the exact same thing 2,000 years ago in about 50 or 51 AD that we are going through today, and I want us to see what they did so that we will know what we should do in the midst of what we're facing. Let's read this together. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. It says, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our visit with you was not without result. On the contrary, after we had previously suffered and we were treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, we were emboldened by our God to speak the gospel of God to you in spite of great opposition. For our exhortation didn't come from error or impurity or an intent to deceive. Instead, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please men, but rather God who examines our hearts. Now, let me take a moment and just kind of set the stage, give you the context of this passage. This obviously is written by the Apostle Paul, and he and Silas 
had traveled now to the city of Thessalonica, which was in Macedonia, modern-day Greece. And they had traveled there after having been in Philippi, as we just read a moment ago. And while they were in Philippi, they faced great opposition for preaching the gospel. They were thrown in jail for preaching the gospel. They were thrown in jail for being an example of and showing the power of God and the power of the gospel. They were thrown in jail. They were opposed. They were attacked. And then they traveled from Philippi after they were released from prison. They traveled from Philippi on uh, through the different cities. Acts 17 tells us that story. And eventually uh, they arrive in the city of Thessalonica and they find a church there that is a, a new church. Again, this is about 50 A.D. So this is literally about 20 years after Jesus died and after he rose again, after he ascended into heaven. Not a very long period of time when you don't have the internet and you don't have television and you don't have newspapers and you don't have phones, all of those kinds of things. A very short, a compact period of time between the time that Jesus did what he did and the time that the church at Thessalonica began to blossom, began to grow. And so they arrived there in Thessalonica And they began to do what Paul was known to do. Acts 17 tells us when he showed up there, what he did, as was his custom, that he showed up in the synagogue there and he began to preach. And he did week after week, he preached the message of the gospel. And he was faithful in preaching the message of the gospel. And so the context of what was written there, we bring now to the idea of how we can apply that into our current day, modern day situation. This is not a history lesson that we see here in this passage. This is an encouragement. And I want you today, no matter where you are, and make no mistake, you may not be a pastor, but you are being attacked for your Christianity. You may not be a missionary, but you are being attacked for your belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The fact that you are sitting here in an 8.30 service in the church of Jesus Christ tells me that you have a love for God's word and a love for the gospel. And regardless of what you do, regardless of what your job is, regardless of whether you're retired or whether you're 12 years old, the world wants to attack you for what you believe. And so we need to learn from the Apostle Paul, from Silas, in this passage, what we must do. And the first thing we see is that opposition to our belief, to our faith, opposition can never stop impact. Opposition can never stop impact. We go back to verse 1. For you yourselves know, brothers, that your visit with you, our visit with you was not without result. On the contrary, Paul writes... After we had previously suffered and we were treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, we were emboldened by our God to speak the gospel of God to you in spite of great opposition. Now, I've already told you, Paul and Silas had already been through like a lot of attack. They'd been thrown in jail. They'd been beaten. They had paid dearly for their faith, paid dearly for what they believed. Now, let's be honest. There's not a person in this room, I don't believe, who has been beaten because you believe in Jesus Christ. I don't believe there's a person in this room that has been thrown into jail because of your belief in and your faith in Jesus Christ. And let's be honest, we also, in our country, because we live in a free country, we live in America, I think all of us would agree, you know, America, arguably the greatest nation that has ever been on the face of the earth. Now, I say that. And I use the word arguably because there may be some people here from another country that would argue with me that you love your country. And you should. I love this country. I love America. Absolutely I do. And we live in this country and we believe 
that because we live in a free society, we're never going to face opposition like that. We're not going to be beaten. We're not going to be thrown in jail until we pick up the newspaper and we see what's going on. Until we take a look into one of our largest states and we see that today there are pastors in California who will stand up and do what I'm doing right now with the very real threat that when they walk off the stage of that church that there will be police officers waiting to throw them in jail because they dare to get up and preach the gospel. Now listen, we would be foolish to believe that that might be happening in California, but it'll never happen here. We are foolish to believe that. We live in a time today where everything is out to stop the message of the gospel. So what did Paul and Silas do? Again, thrown in jail, attacked, beaten. What did they do? Now, let's ask ourselves the question, what would we do? I've got to be honest with you. If I was about to walk out onto this stage and preach the gospel today, as I have many, many times over these past, you know, 15 years or so here at Thomas Road, um, If I were back there and I'm getting ready to walk out here and there was a group of people over there that began beating me with sticks and throwing rocks at me because I was about to come out here and preach the gospel, I've got to be honest with you, I'm human, I would think twice about what I should do. Uh, If if there was a a mob between me and, and this place where I'm seated here today preaching, if there was a mob between, you know, over there and right here, and they were beating me and throwing rocks at me and attacking me and beating me up because I was about to come up here and preach, I've got to be honest, I would love to say I would push through that group and I'd come up here and preach. I've got to be honest, I'd have to think about that. I'd have to think about my little, beautiful little granddaughter. Shall I show you a picture? No, I've already done that. Okay. Uh, My little granddaughter about, you know, uh, am I going to lose my life for being faithful? You know, I'd have to think twice about that. And I think all of us in this room probably would have to think twice about that. Because as I said a moment ago, opposition can never stop impact. There's a little addendum that I did not put there, but I want to put there now. Opposition can never stop impact if we remain faithful. What did the Apostle Paul do? Listen to these words again. After we had previously suffered, after we were treated outrageously in Philippi, beaten and thrown in jail, listen to what he says next. As you know, we were emboldened by our God to speak the gospel of God to you in spite of opposition. Those are powerful words, aren't they? I was beaten for what I believe. I was thrown in jail for what I believe. I was treated outrageously. They tried to kill me for what I believe. And because of all of that, I didn't cower in fear. I didn't run and hide in my house and lock the doors. I I didn't run away from the crowd and go somewhere safe like maybe Jonah did when he headed the opposite direction from where God called them to do. No, it says Paul, writing these words, he and Silas, we were emboldened to preach the gospel. In other words, not only did they remain faithful, they stood up even stronger. They preached even stronger. They preached more powerfully. Why? Because they knew that even though the world is against the message that we hold dear and that we believe, we must preach it anyway because the gospel matters today. 
Now, we sit here in 2020, and we, I promise you, mark my words, we are headed towards a time in our country and even in our city where people will attack us for what we believe, and they will come after us for what we preach. And whether it through, be through a, a COVID-19 protocol or whether it be through something else, make no mistake, Satan is not going to stop until he believes, until he can stop the church of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what I would say. I remember the words of Jesus Christ where he said that even the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so what we know to be true is just simply this. We can either cower in fear or we can rise to the occasion that when we are attacked, when we are oppressed, when we are criticized, when we are laughed at, when we are made fun of for preaching and believing what we believe according to God's Word, we can hide or we can stand. And I don't know about you, but I want to be counted as those who stand. I want this church to be a church that no matter what the society says, we will remain faithful to God's Word. Why? Because the gospel still works. The gospel is still true. And it doesn't matter what's going on in our world. It doesn't matter how crazy things are. It doesn't matter all of the news and all of the problems and all the fights and all of the division. Those things are important. And yes, we need to deal with them. And yes, we need to speak truth into those situations. But more than anything else, we as followers of Jesus Christ, not just preachers, not just church bodies, all of us as followers of Jesus Christ, we must stand and remain faithful to what we believe. So that our neighbors, when they look at us, what they see is this, they're somebody who believes in Jesus. If you go back to that Acts chapter 17 passage, after they went and they tried to stop Paul and Silas, after uh, they, they went to the house of Jason where they'd been staying, and Paul and Silas had, had, had gone out and continued their ministry, and it says that these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Isn't that a great description of what the church should be? These who have turned the world upside down. Why? Because they remain faithful. So listen, opposition cannot stop impact. Now, here's what I want to do. Again, I'm, we're in Thessalonians chapter 2, but I want to point you, and I'll read it to you. You don't need to turn there. Back again to Acts chapter 17, because these are, these are uh, concurrent passages. So Acts chapter 17, Luke is telling the story of what took place when Paul was in Philippi, and then as he went on to Thessalonica. And so he's telling the story of what happened, and then Paul, of course, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, is writing about what's going on in the contemporary time that he wrote these words, this letter that was one of his earliest letters. And so let's go back into Acts chapter 17, verse 4, and let's see what happened when Paul remained faithful amidst the opposition. Amidst the attacks, when Paul continued to preach because he was emboldened to preach the gospel. Listen to what it says in Acts chapter 17, verse 4. And then some of them, that's the Jews who were there in that synagogue, they were persuaded and they joined Paul and Silas, including a great number of God-fearing Greeks as well as a number of the leading women. Here's what verse 4 of Acts chapter 17 tells us. Because Paul and Silas remained faithful and did not cower in fear to opposition because they continued to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what happened? They reached Thessalonica with the gospel 
And people came to know Christ, both Jews and both Greek, Jews and Gentiles. People came, and their lives were changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Impact happened. People are in heaven today because Paul and Silas decided it does not matter that we were posed. It does not matter that we were attacked. It does not matter that they came after us. We are emboldened to preach the gospel. And today, heaven is a little bit more full because they remain faithful. Could that be said of you and me? Could that be said of the church today in 2020? Are we remaining faithful? Is heaven going to be a little bit more full because we did not cower in fear? I hope the answer is yes. I pray it's yes. But to be honest with you, I pray it's yes in the future more than I even prayed it was yes in the past. Because we've enjoyed freedom. But as we move further and further along, that freedom that we have so enjoyed, that we have so experienced in such amazing ways, I I know we're seeing it today, we've already talked about it. We are going to be attacked. And we are going to be opposed. We are going to face opposition like we have never faced before. And here's what I say. I say that the cry of our hearts, the passion of our hearts, ought to be exactly what Paul and Silas was. Hey, even though we're attacked, even though we're opposed, even though we were treated in a horrible way, outrageously in the past, we are emboldened by the gospel. Are you in? Do you agree with me on that? Come on, people, are you with me on that? That's what we must do. So opposition can always um, come against us, but opposition will never stop the impact of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But let me just share with you what can. Temptation can stop impact. Us giving in, compromise can stop impact. Look what it says in verse 3. In verse 3, for our exhortation, again, Paul and Silas, uh, Paul writing here, for our exhortation did not come from error or impurity or intent to deceive. So there's three words, so error, impurity, or intent to deceive, and three different ideas. It's one's doctrine, one's motive, and one's trickery. So in other words, what they're saying here, Paul's saying, listen, we were emboldened to preach the gospel, and as we did that, as we were passionate about that, it didn't become because of an, uh, of an error in doctrine. In other words, it's not like we changed the message to fit into the culture. Do you see that sometimes today, where the, the message of God's Word and the message of the gospel, that they change it, that they tweak it to make it a little bit more palatable in a society that doesn't want to hear it? Have you seen that? Uh, I've seen it. I mean, it's pretty prevalent. We see in our culture, in our world today, man, people are constantly changing. And, and they'll do it in, in, in sometimes in aggressive ways and sometimes in nuanced ways. Sometimes it's they'll hold up God's Word and they'll say, this, is, uh, this contains God's Word. And this is a, a wonderful, you know, book of, of religious truth and religious poetry and, and history that, that's something we need to lean on and depend on and read and study And all of those words are really nothing more than a nuanced approach of trying to say that this is not God's Word. You've heard me say it before, but just for good measure, I'll say it again. 
I believe with all my heart that this is the infallible, inerrant, inspired Word of God. There is not one mistake within the pages of this book unless it was written in my pen when I wrote something in the margins because I'm human and I can guarantee you I make mistakes. But if it's printed in here, if it came from the translations, it came from those ancient documents that scribes would sit there in the caves of Qumran and, and that they would bathe themselves before they even dare to sit down with a pen and on, on paper or leather or whatever it was that they wrote on back in those days and began to mark and copy word for word, letter for letter, and carefully did that 16 hours a day to preserve God's Word. If this book contains the message that has been handed down generation after generation after generation, and now to us. Here's what I believe. This is God's Word, period. And if this is God's Word, period, what we must never allow to come into our churches or into our hearts or into our minds is to adjust what God's Word says so that it fits into the narrative that the world says. That we can't allow God's Word to be tweaked or changed so that, that, that people will be more accepting of it. If it was true then, it's true now. Truth does not change. This is God's Word. This is truth. And so we must stand on God's Word and preach it with passion and preach it with heart. But see, what happens is, is we are tempted to fit in. We are tempted to be accepted. We're tempted to be liked. And what we do is we will water down what we believe and we will water down what we say. And Paul said, no, that's not where our exhortation came. That's not where our encouragement came. It didn't come from an arid doctrine. It also didn't come from impurity or motives. In other words, they were not preaching this message for what they could get out of it. Nowhere in Scripture can you find where the Apostle Paul got up and preached a message with the purpose of having people send him money so that he could go out and, and have stuff. You don't see the Apostle Paul like trying to elevate himself, like, look at me, look who I am, I'm awesome. Never once do you see the Apostle Paul trying to, uh, to, to insert himself into uh, some level of a popularity contest that it's all about me. And, and no, his motives were pure. Because his motives, Paul's motives, and listen, after you've been beaten, after you've been left for dead, after you've been stoned, after you've been thrown in jail, and you continue to preach that message, I'm going to tell you something. You've given up on self a long time ago. You've given up on selfishness a long time ago. If his motive was pure, because if he went through all of that, and yet he continued to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, no one can question why Paul did it. Paul did it because the gospel of Jesus Christ is the hope for the world then, and it's the hope for the world now. You see, he didn't give in to the temptations of the world to fit in. And listen, make no mistake, 2,000 years ago, the same level of fitting in, the same temptations to try to be somebody, to try to, you know, to be elevated, be put on a pedestal, the same things were happening then that are happening now. I mean, those Pharisees are the perfect picture of holier-than-thou selfishness and self-centeredness. I mean, it's a perfect picture. Study the Scriptures. They'll tell over and over again what the Pharisees were. And Paul never fell into that trap. Why? Because his motives were pure. He was passionate about the gospel. That last statement, an intent to deceive. He didn't try to figure out little nuanced, trickery ways to try to, you know, convince people or trick people or, or, or push people to do something that, that just so he could, you know, put numbers up and say, look what I did. 
He didn't try to figure out how to, you know, get a lot of people to come and to hear him preach so that he could then, you know, report it somewhere so that put, somebody could put him on the cover of a magazine and say, look at, look at our church, it's the fastest growing church. He didn't do that kind of stuff. You see, he never fell victim to what we as humans so often do. Because we all love to be elevated. We all love to be lifted up. We all love to be talked about in a positive way. And Paul was like, dude, I've been beaten. Man, they've thrown stones at me. They've beat me with sticks. They left me out there for dead. Man, I was on a ship that wrecked, and man, I didn't know if I was going to survive. I had every reason to give up. I had every reason to go retire. I had every reason to go on my front porch and get my rocking chair and just sit there and look out into the wild blue yonder. I had every reason to do that. But he was emboldened to preach the gospel. Why? Because it matters. It mattered then and it matters now. So, man, don't ever let yourself fall victim to what we as humans so easily fall victim to. Don't let yourself fall into this trap of tweaking the message of the gospel to be accepted or figuring out ways that you can be celebrated and looked at and and elevated, put on a pedestal for what you've done. Don't ever try to trick people into doing things just so that you can accomplish, so that you can add it to your resume. Be faithful to the gospel and preach it because it works. It's not about you. So let's not fall victim to temptation to to stop what it is that God very clearly called us to do. Warren Wiersbe said this, great quote, I want you to hear this. He said this, it is possible to preach the right message with the wrong motives. It's possible to preach the right message with the wrong motives. In other words, God's still going to work. God's still going to do some great things through you, but here's what will happen. Eventually, God will, <laughs> will push you aside. Hypocrisy can destroy impact, and that's what hypocrisy really is. That's the definition of hypocrisy, right? Listen again. It's possible to preach the right message with the wrong motives, or it's possible to do the right thing, but with the wrong intention or the wrong motive so that you can elevate yourself, and, and that, that, that is not what God's Word encourages us to be. So, yes, opposition can't stop impact. Temptation can. So, don't ever forget your purpose. Don't ever forget the purpose for which you are here. Look at verse 4. Instead, Paul writes, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not to please man, but rather God who examines our heart. Paul said this, listen, we've been given this amazing gift. Jesus literally handed the gospel to us and said, go and tell. Go and share this message. Preach this message. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Preach that. Stand on that. Share that. Reach people with that message. Stand. We've been entrusted with the gospel. So what does Paul say? So we speak. In other words, we weren't quiet. We didn't hide. We didn't go hide in our houses and lock the doors because we were afraid of what they might do to us. No, we spoke the truth. And we did it with passion. And anyone who knows the story of the Apostle Paul, if you walk all the way out through the rest of his life, you know what Paul never did? He never cowered in fear, did he? He never gave up, did he? 
He never, never quit, did he? He just kept preaching. And he just kept standing. And he just kept sharing. And he kept reaching. And he kept inviting people and introducing people to who Jesus Christ is. He kept filling heaven day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment. And the world has forever been changed because Paul said, even though I was attacked and even though I was opposed and even though they treated me outrageously yesterday, I will speak. And here's why. Because I don't speak to please you. I speak to please God. That's what Paul gave to us. Paul just simply said it. Here's how I can do it. Because it doesn't make sense, to be honest. It doesn't make sense. Like it's, it's, it goes against human nature. When we're attacked, if we're attacked enough, you know what we want to do? We want to go sit down. Somebody else do it. I'm tired. Can't do it anymore. I just can't handle it anymore. That's not what Paul said. Paul said, no, no, no. I, I keep on speaking. And I keep on preaching. Man, I'm emboldened in my faith. I'm emboldened with the gospel. And here's why. Because I don't do it for men. I don't care what people think about me. I don't care what they say about me. I don't care what they write about me. I don't care if they attack me. I don't care if they oppose me. I don't care if they beat me. I don't care if they throw me in jail because I am not here for you. I am here for him. I have been called by Almighty God and nothing will stop me from doing what God has called me to do. And so that message that Paul gave to us here is the message that should drive every single one of us now. Because make no mistake, the world wants to stop what we do. The world wants to shut us up. The world wants to attack us. The world wants to oppose us. Today in America... They want to throw us in jail for what we believe in America. And here's what I say. Keep preaching the gospel. Do not let them stop you because we don't do it for them. We don't fit into their mold. We stand up for Christ because that is all that matters. There's a great preacher that I knew. A great man of God who did incredible things for God. And he had this to say, God never called me to be popular. God called me to be faithful. That man was my dad. And that man is the man that inspired me to be what I am today. And let me just tell you something. I think that ought to be the mantra for every single one of us in this room and every single one of us watching today. The world might attack us, but we're bold in our faith. The world might oppose us. It doesn't matter. Keep preaching the gospel. The world might come after us, but we will speak. Why? Because we don't do what we do to fit in. We do it because God has called us to do it. So let us do it with passion. Let us do it with heart. And together, let's reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ because that is all that matters. Let us be that man, that woman, that young person, and that's how we're going to change the world. God loved us enough to give his own son. 
And Jesus died on the cross and he paid a price that was beyond anything that we ever could have imagined or anything that we could have ever accomplished on our own. And God gave him anyway to do that for us. And Jesus died a horrible death. And he was buried and three days later, when that stone was pushed away from that grave and Jesus walked out, here's what Jesus did in that moment. Yes, he gave us the gift of salvation. Yes, he gave us the gift of heaven. Yes, he gave us the gift of forgiveness. But he also gave us the gift of knowing this, that no matter what the world might do to us, the gospel always wins. That was the message then, that is the message now, and that is the message that we must stand on. God didn't call us to be popular. God called us to be faithful. So together, today, let us remain faithful. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the encouragement that your word gives to us when we need it, because today, gotta be honest, we need it. Everything out there is trying to stop us. Everything out there is trying to quiet us. Everything out there is trying to destroy us. But God, we stand. We don't stand for the world. We stand for you. God, we believe in the gospel. We believe that Jesus died and that he rose again. And we believe that is our only hope. And so, God, I pray that we would be passionate about sharing that everywhere, every day, every time, every moment, because that's the world that needs to hear it. And so, Father, today, I pray that you would give us the strength and the ability to be passionate, to be pure, to have the right motives, to be faithful. And God, if there's someone watching right now, someone here in this room right now that has never experienced that gift of the gift of the salvation that comes through Christ, I pray right now would be the moment that they do. And God will give you the praise. I've shared with you today a number of times the gospel. And if you're here right now in this room, you're watching right now, and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible's clear. Believe that Jesus died and that he rose again. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 in the first few verses. That's what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 14. It's what it says in Romans chapter 10. If you believe that Jesus is God's son, if you believe that he died and that he rose again, Romans 10, 13, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I encourage you right now, if you've not done that, just simply in your heart, God, I'm sorry for my sin. I know I need a savior. God, I believe that Jesus is your son. And I believe that he died and that he rose again for me. I believe he is our only hope. So today, forgive me of my sins. And save me today through your son, Jesus. Thank you, God, for saving me. Today, I believe. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together and let's worship. My hope is built on nothing less In Jesus' blood
to thank you for joining with us together today as we see what it is that God has done for us all. And today, if you've made a decision for Christ, or if you would like to talk further about what it is that God has done for you in the giving of His Son, Jesus, I would encourage you to email me at the address that is on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. We would love to connect with you to help you begin a brand new journey with Christ. If you would like to help contribute to our ministry as we take this message of the gospel around the world, go to the link on the screen today and help us help others with an amazing message of God's love.